Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, it is always my honor to stop right here and welcome our wonderful guests, those that have presented, I call them the sages of today. And it is my honor to have them come. And Doc, I am so glad that you're here because, number one, and I want to thank you for sharing a couple of things that I deem very, very expensive, your time. That commodity is misused by so many until they become awake. When we become awake, we understand the true value of what was given to us within the span of a 24 day. And so 24 hour day. The other is your journey. And that journey housed who you were. It created you who you are today. And so we are honored to have you come and uh, be able to share that with us, your wisdom, your pain, your triumphs, all that made you who you are today, for we are blessed and honored. And I thank you for coming to Threads of Enlightenment. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and engage in this exciting conversation and exciting to see how it unfolds just based on the few minutes that we spent together going into this. Yeah, I'm excited. Introduce yourself to the folks and tell them about some of the things that you have created. And I tell them the thing about a creator is that once they are awake, as they grow, they create more things. It manifests in books and uh, podcasts and other things. But we are awake. And once the individual continues to grow, they create new things. So talk to us about those that you have given birth so far? So my name is Dr. Tracy Campbell. I am located here in California, but I also have been able to create living half the time in here and half the time in Europe um, because I am a, a huge a believer in creation, our, that we create our life. I'm here today, uh, specifically the reason that um, I was invited here today is I have a new book that I've just released uh, and it's called Narctionary and it is a book that is a, a dictionary for anyone who has been faced with narcissism, narcissistic abuse, narcissistic abuse trauma or narcissistic abuse recovery. And the reason that I um, have wrote that book is because I specialize in trauma recovery from narcissism. And the reason that I know so much about it is because I lived years and years and years. I, I like to always say that the best comparison that I have a, a PhD in psychology, but I have like a quadruple PhD in trauma. <laughs> and the reason that um, many things, the reason that I do what I do is because I was stuck in that trauma for so long and I don't want that to happen to other people. And my journey, as I believe, it, it, it didn't happen for just because the universe wanted to pick on me. I signed up for it. Yeah. Uh, I just... I just forgot that I signed up for it for a long time. And then when I realized, oh, wait a minute, I've signed up for this, which means I can sign out at any yeah. time <laughs> as soon as I learn the lesson. And so this is just one of my many books about uh, the uh, trauma uh, that I um, went through and now have this awakened 
insight on it. And um, my book is just about putting a flashlight for those who may be stuck on a very dark road. I love it. Um, I believe the reason why you went through it is because, as you said, the universe saw a need. And because the need is great, people like you need to be here that are willing to go through and become servants. Some people are, um, they are, uh, how can we say it? I know for lack of a better word, they say that they're stingy, they're misers. They go through it and they hoard their uh, lesson and do not pass it on. But when you can be trusted now and come out, you were, we knew you were going to write that book. You didn't know that, but the universe knew that because there were people that need your words, needs your wisdom to help assist in their awakening. And the reason why it took you so long is so that you can learn every little road and every little bump in it so that you can notify those that come into your space so that you can get them to their other side much faster. You'll be able to accomplish that in months and maybe years uh, versus 30, 40 years. It would probably take them two, three months, 20 months, so forth. But that's why you went through. So talk to us about your childhood. This is the place that you first visited. And I always tell people a lot of our traumas start here. We, as young person, individual, interpret a, a situation and based on their interpretation of that situation, they become traumatized and they began to see the world based from that trauma and their relationship also develops from that. So talk to us about your family unit. What was it like? Um, and uh, bring us into that space so we can get a glimpse of what was happening to this young girl uh, when she was there with our family. Well, that's a great question, and it's a common question that I'm asked uh, on the various interviews: is yeah. how did you, how did you end up in narcissism, and and with you know living with narcissism and sitting on the heat for so long? Because uh, I, I literally at one stage of my uh, recovery, in the way the the word uh, picture that I can draw is it it was as though I had my hand on top of. Um, a grill and my hand would be sizzling and when people would see the things in life that I was tolerating they'd be like oh my gosh doesn't that hurt and I would say yes and they'd say don't you want to remove your hand from it and what would go through my head is do I have the right to am I hmm. am I am I allowed to and that comes from um the the result and I what I really feel right now is there's somebody out there listening who they're looking at themselves saying, why can't I walk away from this situation? Or today we're talking about narcissism, but it can be anything. And why do I feel so powerless to take control of my life? And a lot of it comes, Ken, down to programming. Um, yeah. I want to first and foremost say that I'm, I am lucky enough to have both of my parents still alive and uh, have a, uh, a full life with them. I was raised in a family with a father who has narcissism. And because of that, the behaviors of the narcissist were completely normalized to me. Did it yeah. hurt? Yes. Did I want it to stop? I didn't know I had an option for it to stop or not stop. 
So that's how I arrived here is, is my, my, I'm, I'm thinking about um, my husband right now, who he has this huge tolerance to physical pain. Good thing he was an athlete when he was young, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't, I'm the type of person that if you touch my hair wrong, you know, ow, ow, ow. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would always marvel at, at his ability to um, have this tolerance for pain if his back would hurt or his legs would hurt. I, since my childhood, um, because of the emotional environment or the emotional stresses that I was exposed to and I thought were normal, I realized along my journey, I have a very high tolerance to emotional pain. And mm. it's that emotional pain that also kept me stuck um, in a cycle for a long time because to me, I thought I was just doing normal. Yeah. I think that's, um, we, we, we're familiar with the energy, Doc. And because we are familiar with that type energy, whatever that energy is that has programmed us. And so we find ourselves navigating to that energy as we move through life. And uh, one day we began to see our world upside down. And I call it the day of visitation when we have that privilege and the honor when our world is in the dark space. And I've been telling the people darkness is, is I'm from Christian background. And when I opened that Bible and I saw the entrance of God, the creator, there was darkness first. And so before all his beauty, there was darkness. And so he came and he began to speak to the darkness. And just like you and I are creators, we have to do the same. I'm not going to allow you to have this type of control. We began to speak those languages as a creator. And then what are we doing? We are sending out this new energy, and that energy will begin to take those molecules and begin to form it and bring and create that world that we want. And that's how we create. We do the same thing as, as the Creator did because we are from the Creator. So it tells me that we are in His likeness, image and likeness. So then if He's creating, I can create. So there's no limitation in you and I, is there, except the ones that we've been programmed to believe. And so I tell people, be mindful of the programmers. We have family, we have uh, church, religion, uh, we have uh, society as a whole, we have all of these corporations. Everyone is vying for your attention to program you. And um, they spend billions to get your attention, so be very mindful of it. So here you are, Doc, as this young girl you're talking about, um, the harm that you would put yourself over there. When you were looking at your friends in your high school and, you know, you're mingling with your friends and talking or whatever, how were you mentally relating to them being coming from that background of trauma? What was your conversation like with them and how did you allow them to speak to you or treat you based on your um, experience in your home? Well, one of the the dynamics of living within a narcissist is that you're really taught to keep lots of secrets. You're taught, yeah. you are taught that your, your opinions, uh, your pain, 
your position in life is second. And mm-hmm. there's a dynamic within a narcissistic relationship where if you don't align with the messaging or the beliefs of the narcissist, it comes with punishment. And every child who is, is part of a, a narcissistic family environment comes out with certain trauma wounds. Um, there, there's a child that ends up being the golden child, which that's, this is the child that is worshipped and um, yeah. exalted over others. And this person, 90% of the time, can merge into being a narcissist as an adult themselves. There is the scapegoat child where anything that goes wrong, this child is is um, um, uh, blamed for. And this is a child who many times can end up in substance abuse as a, as a way to survive or the aftermath effects of it. And then there's the invisible child, and that's the role that I took on, which is somebody who mm-hmm. you, you will placate, you will go along, you will uh, fawn. You know, we have fight, flight, flee. There's a fawning in there as well, which is just go along, get along to go along. And so yeah. I didn't do a, a lot of talking about it. I, I, one of one parts of my journey, which was such a difficult, but an amazing journey was learning about my first voice, learning that um, the best way that it was described to me is I'm firing correctly. You know, what, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking is that I'm spot on, I'm firing correctly. And so part of my big evolution was that awareness when I, when, as I said earlier, you know, I used to have my hand on the grill and doesn't it hurt? And yeah, I don't, but you want to remove it? I, can I, that I didn't understand that one of my birthrights and which would be another great subject to, we could spend time on is, you know, we are born with these certain birthrights and one of my birthrights is to have my first voice. So, and that took a while to get there. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely a great point. So you're moving through life. Um, you are now looking into your future. You're coming out of uh, uh, high school and so forth. I wanted to grab this from you. Um, which field did you gravitate to and why did you gravitate to it? What was that conversation within yourself that caused you to um uh, steer towards that particular field of study, if you will. I was drawn to two uh, fields of study, and in hindsight, it's it's very interesting to me. One of those was uh, journalism because uh, I, I found that a lot of freedom in in writing that I was able to what couldn't come out of my mouth um, was able to come off of my pen. So I, I found writing and, and sharing my story and sharing other people's story very cathartic and empowering. And uh, I, I, there's this one video uh, of me when I'm around five or six years old and I'm, I'm holding a book, but it's upside down because I, that's how much I couldn't read at that time. Maybe I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it, the, the big thing was, I'm going to write a book someday. I'm going to write a book someday. So I guess... Mm-hmm my soul knew I was going to be a writer later in life. And the other one that, that I was of course drawn to was the world of psychology. And I was probably drawn to that because, you know, I, I knew something was off inside of me, meaning I felt 
uh, I felt like a square in a round world. I felt, um, I just didn't feel, my thoughts weren't comfortable to me. Um, mm-hmm. My choices weren't comfortable to me. And because I didn't know I had the power to make different ones, I, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, I jumped into psychology and it, it was very, very interesting to me. One of the most interesting things uh, along that journey is because I, I come from a, a Christian background as well and um, just being able to understand um, that I call them my downloads, uh, that all throughout my studies in psychology, I found that as I was evolving as a person and I was learning how to reprogram myself or get to my authentic programming, I think that that's a better word, that mm-hmm. I would, I would, um, or the great curator would put me in a situation where I would have to uh, find a new way to think and um, understand myself and it would come by like a spiritual download, like you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then yeah. like a couple months later, I would suddenly be, you know, having to study one of the great psychologists. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, yeah. that is actually a practice of psychology. So it was, it was really easy for me to get my psychology degree because it was like right before we were about to study and I would have to learn everything in my head. My life experience yeah. opened me up to the teaching of it first. Yeah. So it was, yeah. in hindsight, it's a really neat reflection that I have as to that, that path was set for me. And mm-hmm. I can just clearly see that that was a road that I was meant to walk on. Now, while you were doing the studies and in um, acquiring the knowledge, um, how you mentioned that you started to see certain things about yourself. What were some of those glimpses that you began to see within you as you were gathering all this information about uh, psychology? Well, I think the the one specific that jumps out to me is is the is the power of belief in reflection to our choices. That mm-hmm. the I began one day penciling out, and luckily I've always been a journal uh, journal keeper. And um, in fact, I I run a recovery program now that is one hundred percent based on where I was in my trauma. And uh, it's and the way that I did the quote-unquote research and the infrastructure of what class is next, what class is next, what class is next, is I opened up my journals and chronologically said, oh, wow, look at, look how beautiful my unfolding yeah. was. And even though it was painful, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. I remember a huge um, uh, process, I guess, that, that unfolded was the day that, that I started studying um, I started living and understanding in a personal uncovering the power of our beliefs, how mm-hmm. how every choice that we make is based on what we believe to be true and how our 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 environment creates our our messaging, our messaging creates our beliefs, our beliefs creates our choices. And that insight where one day, I said, my gosh, I have never challenged 
what I believe. I'm just, I'm just going along with what I've been told. And I took it down to the bare bones and I literally started asking myself, you know, classic Tracy, coffee or tea, I don't care, whatever's easiest, you know, whatever you have. And it started with literally saying, Tracy, do you want coffee, tea, nothing, water, mm-hmm. orange juice? What do you want? What Somebody told you yeah. that you're supposed to have coffee when you wake up in the morning. And what's so funny is like three, four years ago even, and I'm way into my journey, all of a sudden I, I said, wow, um, I actually enjoy chai tea much more than coffee. <laughs> and there I am this deep into it. And, and I, I little things like that. And I think that that's how you create a change in your belief system. Who told me this is the way life is supposed to be. And if you can't put a specific name um, or situation, then, then you are, you're not living to your authentic self. Challenge it. Ask me who taught me that this was the only way in life. Who told me I can't dream big. Who told me yeah. that at my age I can't reinvent myself? Who told me that that the uni- that bad things happen to bad people? Who told me that? And if I made a commitment to myself that I said, and if I'm going to live out those choices based on that belief system, I better be able to look at that person's life and see they're a better person because of it. And because if they're not then that, that mm-hmm. belief system doesn't work for me. And so I just started to go in and, and recreate my entire belief system. And that's a whole other spiritual journey mm-hmm. that, that we can talk about at another time. This is uh, beautiful. Those that are listening, um, if you are truly listening, you would the amount of insight that she gave to us in that little conversation the tools that she started to utilize that guided her in the recreation of herself, um, journaling. Uh, that's a very important, powerful tool that one can bring into their space to help clear the mind. The thought life, I tell people, is where all the, 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 the good stuff ha- starts. And, um, uh, Napoleon Hill says we are godlike when we are able to control our thoughts. I learned that, and once I recognized the value of that, the awakening doc is that we are able to uh, slow down the thought, oh. which gives us the opportunity to make the decisions as to which thought I will now give permission to become real in my life. And so all the time before you had all these thoughts coming and you were giving permission based on whoever you believe you put your belief in was it a mate was it a a the church was it whoever it was whoever you it put was. there yeah you you put them in on this pedestal and you gave them permission to speak words that you allowed in your thoughts that you you uh, you activate another part of you that is very, very powerful, your imagination. Once mm-hmm. you activated your imagination, you then began to dwell on it. When you began to focus on it, it then becomes a monster in your life. Your belief, exactly. it has, 
lodged into your belief system and now you own it and you're standing there going what has happened to my life and that whole process is what happened to you exactly and you know what there's there's just two things love napoleon hill (laughs) just (laughs) love 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 and the, the second thing is when you said you know who am i giving voice to when i was not walking on my path um you know though it was because i believe that we all experienced you know we sign up for our own trauma and i was just talking with my sister about this the other day and about a certain trauma that she would go through and go through and go through and go through and um and i explained to her my personal belief system as is i believe that before we get here we sign up for our our obstacles to become a better person and the 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 where we get stuck is that we forget that we signed up for that and we're supposed to go through it, learn the lesson, and then get on with the rest of all the wonderful things that we also signed up for. And yeah. it's when we we don't stop and learn that lesson, you know, that it's we're here to learn the lesson. And and now where I am in my life is that when a difficult thing happens. I remind myself, and here's for all the people who are, are out there listening, who you find yourself stuck in a pattern. Every crisis that we have in our life, every difficult situation that we have in our life is to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And yeah. if you are in a situation where there is no end in sight, it's because you're not learning the lesson. Because the second you you learn the lesson, the end is coming, and this difficult time is going to pass. You don't have to get drowned by it. You, I, I like to use the the comparison that if I was in a pool, and you were to say, Tracy, swim underwater to the other side, okay? Mm-hmm. Even at the points that I was suffering and holding on, and and I continued to swim. I would be able to push myself through it because yeah. of the fact that I know that's the end is right there. Just keep going, yeah. Tracy. The end is right there. I see the end. And we all need that when we're in the midst of a of a trial or a pain. We need to know like when is the end in sight. And the greatest thing is when you can actually start to use that in your life. That if you're with somebody who's complicated, that you're able to say, you know what, when when is the end in sight to this person? When does it end here? Because because I can't hold my breath forever and love doesn't ask me to solve or to hold my breath. Yeah. There's uh, so much I believe that, um, and I always tell people, I can identify a person, Doc, where they are because based on what they are doing in their life. When one is circular, the reason why they're circular is because they haven't made a decision yet. And I'll, I'll yes. let me back up and explain that. Um, there's a scripture in the Bible that says um, that people misinterpret. And they said, it says, decree a thing and it shall be established. But the original language says to decide a thing and it shall be established. You have to decide it before you can decree it. The decree it is just one, is a position. A king makes a declaration. And when the king declares something, it becomes law. And when you and I are in our state, our full true power, we are in that position of one of a king in in that sense that when we declare something, it becomes law. And so you have to decide in order to move. 
I mentioned the creator showed up in, in Genesis. He had already decided what he wanted it to look like before he began to do what he said he was going to do. And so he said, I need a place to put the man that I want to put on the planet. So that decision was made. He just wasn't making it up as it went. He, he had already decided. And then he began to do and express what he wanted. And you and I have to do the same thing. We have to express what we wanted. But first, you have to decide yes. it. If you are circular, you will never move. And maybe, Doc, maybe that's the failure that we were talking about. One would consider that failure when one is refusing to make the decision to make a decision, <laughs> if you will. You so know here what? you are. I had somebody tell me just last week, and you know how you can hear something again and again and again and again and again. I mm -hmm. heard just last week uh, somebody that I was listening to, and they were talking about the word to decide and the way yeah. that they described it. And it was just something like, oh, man, this is the next part of my journey. To decide is to make a decision and eliminate any other choices or options? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You have, that's what I, I go back to the original planner that showed us how to, how to create. He was blind. He, he is singularly focused on what he wanted to accomplish to put this man. And so um, he was singular minded. He did not move. And then when he finished, he took a vacation. And so you not have to be able to take that vacation when we have implemented the decision, which will cause us to implement the plan. And the plan will cause us to circular, uh, speak those powerful words, bring our, because what we're doing, doctor, we're calling, once we release the words, what are we doing? We're releasing energy. It was the energy that caught, went out and uh, brought all those um, uh, molecules and and the oxygen and all those other things out there and create what they wanted. And so when we release the words, you would be amazed at the people that will start coming into your space. You will amaze at the circumstances that will start to come into your space. Why? Because you have just stood as one who believe exactly what they meant to say. And you have caused, released the energy to pull all of those atoms to bring it to pass. So here you are, you're moving through, you're learning about yourself as a young woman, and yes. you're recognizing all these tools and you're applying them into your life. As you're moving forward, I know that you had mentioned that you got into some relationships and those relationships are because you're familiar with that energy. Talk yes. to us about some of those spaces that you took yourself because we did we do take ourselves there we exactly. take ourselves into it talk to us about some of those relationships that you took yourself in and doc talk to us about that one that that last one that broke you and say no it must change so i i would say that i had two um dynamics that really gave me um, the, you know, because I, I want to preface this answering that healing is, is that age old analogy of the onion that, you know, yeah. we can go through things and we can peel it off. We say, wow, I'm a new person. But when it comes to trauma, because trauma runs so deep 
and it's almost mm-hmm. at a DNA level that it, it it took a few it took a few times for me to a few times <laughs> more than that for me to um, really learn the lesson. And my lesson came in stages because you know, there are, there are little lessons in life and then there are the game changer lessons. And this game changer lesson, I think that if I got it all at once, it it would have <laughs> completely leveled me. So I had to learn it over phases as I was, as I was ready to. And, and, and the biggest thing that kept me blocked, A, it was normalized and B, I was living in a, I was, I was making my choices based on a belief system. And when yeah. we go in and change our belief system, you know, that, that's a really scary thing to do. And, you know, part of it was cultural. Part of it was um, my religious upbringing, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, parental upbringing. I, I was going against a lot of belief systems. So I was stuck in a cycle for a very long time. And again, not knowing I had the power to change, which was a belief that I had to reprogram. Yeah. But I, I think the two big epiphanic moments, let's say, was... Um, Shortly after university, I um, my parents went into a crisis and they went into a divorce. And may I say that you know it's thirty five years and <laughs> they're back together. And, and it, yeah. so God, God can heal many things. But at that time, they went like this, and um, it was the 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 crashing of my family that. Uh, I, I guess in, in hindsight, I was looking for that sense of stableness and, and family. Yeah. And I ended up getting married to somebody who, um, at, at, you have to understand that this whole thing called narcissistic abuse, it didn't have a name for so long. Yeah. And at that time I was exposed to somebody who, who was, uh, abusive and I jumped into a marriage and just found myself going from a young woman who felt like I had the world at my feet to uh, an old, in a five-year period, an old woman being dragged around the world by my feet. I was dazed and confused. I was emotionally beat up and, and, but I didn't have a single mark on my body to show the trauma that I'm going through. I'm sorry, the sun is coming around the corner. (laughs) And, um, and so what happened is the the way that I finally left, I wrote my first book was called The Courage to Say No More. And it was about removing myself from this abusive relationship. And a big turning point for me was there was a lot of pressure to get to get pregnant. And mm-hmm. and uh, I was at the, the doctor's office and getting ready to go on the fertility pills and, and all this. And I just had a very loud uh, thought in my head, excuse me, I'm going to go over here now. That's okay. that. That said, um, it's one thing for me to expose myself to this trauma, but who am I to think that I can expose an innocent child to this trauma? And so that was like the thought of another person um, is what made me create my first level of change. Fast forward, fast forward. um, And this is a common mistake that trauma victims made is uh, is we can remove ourselves from extreme pain and um on the other side of that find ourselves um let me just do this <laughs> find our <laughs> ourselves accepting less pain yeah because we think that we're we're doing it right 
And, you know, there's a saying in recovery that, and it's in my, my book, and the terminology is poop in your soup. And mm. part of living with the toxicity of another person, no matter what that is, uh, that toxic environments, narcissistic environments, narcissistic abuse is, is like having poop in your soup and yeah. poop, poop in your soup is just never okay. And so yeah. we need to remember that, you know, we, we don't have to drink poop soup. We, yeah. it's not healthy for us. It's not good for us. We're going to get sick by doing it. And it's the same as when we consume another person's toxic behaviors that yeah. nobody's forcing you to do it. You think it is because of your beliefs, but, but we're not. So that the first one was the thought of another person. And then fast forward, I, I shared that story because I, I upgraded in life and of course was in, um, other relationship and, <clears throat> found myself again suffering from my old pains, the anxiety, the depression, the lack of powerlessness, the no voice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, and I had to go into therapy to um, then rescue myself. Yeah. And you know, like I said, the first choice was I can't allow this to be passed on to another person. I must save the life of another person. And the second phase of that onion onion skin coming off was I have to rescue myself. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to yeah. be in this existence, it, it, I cannot live in pain every day. And I had to learn to recognize it is, there's something in me that I have that high tolerance to emotional pain. Yeah. And that's not necessarily anything I'm going to get a trophy for. In life, in fact, probably the opposite. You know, I'm going to get the Raspberry Award on that one. <laughs> the best and the worst. You, Tracy, win the best in tolerating bad behavior. Yay! You know, no, I don't have those trophies in my in my wall of fame. <laughs> I don't have those. Um, guys, as you're listening, you know, seeking help is is not a bad thing. There are cultures, dog, that someone seeking help is frowned upon. So and um, I want to let you guys be aware that seeking help is not something to be afraid of. It is something to invite. Bring someone in that can see your scotomas, your blind side by which you are so unfamiliar that it's there, that they can see them. And pick someone that has been bruised up a little, if you will that has gone through something so that they can be able to walk with you and hold your hands. You had mentioned something earlier, Doc. I believe that trauma is a part of the DNA. I believe it is uh, it manifests within the physical DNA, the body. We have those type of uh, trauma, but I believe that there, the trauma that we talk about, the emotional, I think Emotions is the DNA of the man's soul. Mm. And I think that when we are damaged, if you will, through trauma, that DNA is damaged. And it takes a lot of work to heal the DNA. When we go and do the natural stuff, there are natural things that one can do to start it uh, uh, affecting the DNA and the molecules and the 
the blood vessels and all the thing at a, at a cellular level, we, there's ways that we can adjust that. The soul doc is the DNA. That emotion is the DNA of the soul. And when that is damaged, that person needs to restructure their DNA. And we restructured that by controlling our thoughts. You talk about taking notes. Some people meditate. Mine was meditation. Meditation <laughs> allowed me to slow the thoughts mm -hmm. so Absolutely. that I can become the chooser, the designer of my life by which thought I allow to come in to my being for me to meditate on, to give it meat, if you will, so that they can produce the desired outcome that I want out of this thing. I don't want what they were coming with me all, the, all anymore. I, through my meditation, I set my, the, my day, I set everything in line so that when I go into my, quote unquote, the corporate world, People would look at me and say, how are you not affected by the trauma that is happening? Because I was able to control me way before I walked into the office. And so my thoughts now was able to control the energy that comes before me. And I choose, am I going to allow this to interrupt my day? No, I have the answer to that situation. And I would say to my staff, I will... I will return with an answer shortly and I would take this situation, go into my space wherever I have, sometimes I would hide in my car and I would go into my meditative state because I know the answer is there and I would bring out the answer and then I would present myself again to my staff and they would look at me and say, how in the world did you figure that out? And um, the answer is within me. I need to disconnect from the noise to allow the answer, as you said earlier, to download so that I can receive it and then bring it into the situation, into the natural realm. But I believe that this, the emotion is the DNA of the man's soul and we can heal it. We can heal it, but it takes work. And that's what I tell people, it takes work. I could not agree with you more. You know, one of the beliefs that I had to reprogram is uh, I, I came from um, a religious teaching that um, I was more powerless than I, I actually was. And that's why one of my, my mantras to myself is I am more powerful than I remember. I am more powerful than I remember. <laughs> because one of the things that I was taught in, in, in uh, therapy also was don't trust your emotions, you know, especially yeah. as a woman, you're yeah. up and down and you can't rely on your emotions. And what I, and so when I would go through life, ignoring my emotions, thinking that I'm, I'm adulting or I'm, you know, I'm doing this right. That was a train wreck for me because yeah. our emotions are our feedback center. Yeah. And, you know, so many times people say, you know, if I were to say, how many emotions do we have? And you would say, oh my gosh, we have, you know, thousands, you know, hurt, pain, fear, joy, love, et cetera, et cetera. And I say, no, we have two. 
we have good emotions and bad emotions mm-hmm. and part of it the simple steps that that I took to reprogram myself or to get to my authentic belief system is I throughout the day would check in and say Tracy how are you feeling I I I feel fear okay is that a good emotion or a bad emotion bad emotion okay yeah. then then it's this you're not supposed to be in this environment with these people with this mindset with whatever mm-hmm. it was but I, my life came down to a simple thing. How do you feel, good or bad? And if you feel bad, this is not meant for you. If you feel good, this is meant for you. Stay on this path. And I so that, I'm a... I, I did great? the same yeah. thing. I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it was same. so, it's so simple, you know? And, and that's the whole thing is that people think that, that, let's call it healing, let's call it recovery, let's call it evolving or stepping into your authentic self that it's a difficult journey but sometimes it's it's so simple and another big thing i just want to share uh, it's a very short story that when i was younger because of the trauma because of the wrong beliefs that that were living inside of me and also um reinforced the choices that i was making to make everything that was hair happen Mm -hmm. in my reality is i suffered from depression and I remember one day, I, there are no chance encounters. Uh, the old days when, you know, you if you had to record something, there was actually shops you had to go to and they would have to extract it and then put it on tape reel and et cetera, et cetera. So I went into this production house to get some, uh, some work done that I was um, one of my projects. And there was this man there and his name was Dave. And Dave had a simple job. You could mm-hmm. tell he lived a simple, and I'm giving for those of you who can't hear, yeah, just a, I'm yeah. giving quote marks with my fingers, a simple life and uh, simple clothes, simple car. And uh, this man, every time I saw him, was so happy. He always mm-hmm. had this joy about him and this passion and this enthusiasm and this brightness. And I remember, you know, looking at him for week after week going, God, I wish I could just have an ounce of that. I wish I could just have an ounce of that. (laughs) So one day I got up the nerve and I went to him and I'm like, Dave, can I ask you a question? Sure, Trace. I said, how do you do it? He goes, how do I do what? I said, how is it that you're just always happy And he said something to me that was a game changer. He says, well, nobody's going to do it for me. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) And I realized at that moment that I was expecting people to do the right things, the universe to, to do the right thing, that I was expecting my outside environment to do the right thing until I found my happiness. And the real formula is I have to find my happiness based on monitoring my emotions and the outside world will start to do the, the right things for yeah. me. So yeah. happiness is start, a choice. It's a choice. It's um, as you begin to uh, understand the person of you. And this whole thing is about understanding the person of you because when you begin to get those insights about you, you're getting insights about all the other people around you. So get to know you. Get to know the things. I heard one of the saddest stories one day in my life, and this was it blew me out. 
I remember I was visiting a friend of mine and um, uh, we were talking about breakfast. We were getting breakfast and so forth. And I was, she was over at my house, actually, sorry. She, they were over at my house and I was cooking uh, breakfast with people making breakfast. And I asked her, I said, what do you want? She looked at me and she says, I don't know. And I said, well, what do you use? We're having breakfast. I said, I'm having eggs. I said, why not? What about some eggs? She says, I don't eat eggs. And I said, why? She said, because uh, her husband doesn't eat eggs. And I said, really? I, and then I looked at her. I said, she, I said, have you ever had one? She said, no, I've never had an egg. I said, would you like to try an egg? Because I know he, you know, would you like to try it? She said, yes. And she was kind of didn't want him to be aware. And I kind of sensed it. And so I made her this egg without him really getting to notice what was happening. And I offered it to her. I said, eat. And I, I stayed away, my back blocked so she can eat. She almost lost her mind eating an egg. And she did not eat an egg because someone else told her not to eat an egg. And so unless you began to find out you, she to this day told me that that was one of the best meals she ever had in her life. And no. now she eats eggs because she found out that she liked it. And so find out about who you are. Talk to yourself. I have some of the best conversation to, about me with me. I, I take myself out to dinner. I take myself out to the movies. To every year on my birthday, I would go to the, my favorite restaurant, whichever I want to go to. And I would sit down and have a conversation. How was your year? What did you accomplish? Did you feel? And I would have these conversations every single year. But I would have these things daily pointing me to where I want to. I would have my global vision and I'd have my uh, daily vision to accomplish my goal, uh, my goal, as you were talking about themes in one's life. What is your theme for your year? You are the one that are going to make that decision. Not your husband, not your boyfriend, not your children, not anyone. You make that and bring them along for the journey. But you make your year. So, Doc, here you are. You're learning this young girl experiencing, recognizing all the relationships. And so you're navigating through them. You got your aha moment, you said, in that uh, relationship when you began to look at yourself and another person bring, coming into that family. When you were released and you now went through your journey, you're gaining all the insights. And this little girl, remember that she wants to be an author. How did you begin to put that together, knowing that that was actually one of the reasons why you came on this planet, is to fulfill oh. that little dream? Well, that, that's I've never been asked that. Um, so when I look back, uh, and again, I'm talking about, you know, we're talking about being in a, a narcissistic abuse trauma relationship is that, as I said, it, it, there was unfoldings, you know, many, many years of unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. And right when I thought that I was, oh, finally, I made it to the other side of recovery. Nope, here comes another lesson and another layer. Um, 
So one of the things that that happened to me, and it happens to a lot of us, just like the lady didn't um, enjoy eggs because of somebody else's approval or disapproval. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I had a message in me that said, you're not lovable, Tracy. I would literally do almost anything for a person's validation. Um, and in my first marriage, the, the, there was no validation and there was punishment to do my own thing, which is like a heavier degree of living in my natural yeah. environment that I had. So I thought it was normal. Yeah. But one of the things that I noticed was that I had stopped dreaming and instead was surviving mm-hmm. and I had stopped reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I clearly remember one day saying, I have not read a book in years, mm-hmm. which is dangerous not to have knowledge going in. And Audible Books wasn't around at that time, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I went down and I picked up Les Brown's book. Yeah. And I just began to devour this book. And I felt my brain waking up and I said, oh my gosh, I forgot what this feels like to learn something new. And so, you know, I had, I really seriously began journaling at that time and was reminded that my goodness, I love writing. I love mm-hmm. writing. This this feels, you know, how do you know what you're supposed to do in life? The things in life that you say, I love this. Yeah. I love this person. <laughs> I love this job. I love this creation. Yeah. I love, you know, and I just realized I love writing. And uh, at the time I had um, an old machine a modern day typewriter that it would write out one sentence at a time so that you you didn't have to there was no back button except for that and 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 dating yourself you know i'm 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 59 years old i'm familiar with those uh those uh, equipment if you will (laughs) remember those and so i i began just dabbling in it and i was reminded and like, what do I write? What do I write? All I knew is it just felt good to get what was up here or in here yeah. on paper. It made it yeah. real. And it, it was just like, a, it, it would be like a, a child. I just, it was my creation. And, you know, I was like, well, how, how do I do this? What do I do? And I just remember um, what my old writing teacher in, in the university said was, to be a successful writer, just sit down and start writing. What do I write? Anything. Yeah. And this is one thing that for all of you who are like, oh, I'm blocked. I don't know how to find my way out. Get a pen and a paper or a keyboard now, whatever. I use a Remarkable, which I love this product. <laughs> and just write. Write what you're feeling. Write what you're thinking. Right, yeah. get it out of you, and the clarity will of, of who you are and what what how to untangle yourself will start to present itself. So I found my way back to writing um, because I realized two lessons. I I was given the new piece of information that what I'm supposed to do in life. I'm I find that by falling in love with it, yeah. and yeah. you know it took a long time. 
And I just realized I love writing. Um, it yeah. comes very natural for me. You know, it's not natural for anyone. Just like I, I can't sing. So that yeah. would be torture for me. It doesn't come natural. And I look <laughs> at people who can, I'm like, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> we all have our gifts and talents. And, yes. and it was, it was reconnecting to the things that I love yeah. um, that made me lean into uh, writing. Guys, I mean, anyone that has been listening to this conversation, we can tell that within this human spirit lodges a great deal of wisdom. And it is my hope that you guys uh, get her books she bought. She has several. And I always say to people, you know, I know a lot of people always hurry up and try and get to these one-on-one -on -one things. And I'm telling them, I can get you there cheaper. And instead of getting in front of all these people and spending thousands of dollars, buy an author's book. It is a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And they're even allowing you to be you. And they're still having a conversation with you because you're wrapped up in your blanket and they don't mind. They will not judge you. They will not tell you that you need to get out of that. Um... Uh, funny looking slippers that you've been wearing since you were a little child. They don't care about nothing. They don't care about your cup of coffee or tea, which one you like. But once you grab it and you got comfortable, they will begin to speak to you like you have never been spoken to before. Because yeah. those words that are written on those books are energized with yeah. power to leap from those pages and drop right into your thoughts, which will reside within you and change your belief and cause you to come out and become that new person that you are meant to be while you're here. I'm gonna give you guys all her stuff. I want you to get in her space. She has lots of things available that she didn't even mention to help all of our sisters out there that are having a hard time with uh, narcissists. All of these, this thing is real, man. Uh, both men and women suffer from this. This is a major thing right now in the space of the earth that is happening. This narcissist energy is rising its head. And here we have Doc that has been through those uh, trenches and is able to offer you wisdom that will save you 30 something plus years of pain and of places, dark spaces that she can uh, guide you through. I'm gonna provide all of you that stuff. Talk, I wanna ask you another question. So here you are, you began to put all these wonderful things in the books and you began to write your, your heart. You are now acting and behaving with, out of your gift, you're living from the space I told you, I believe all of us are called to live from, that of a servant. Talk to us about one of those folks that you actually got to practice your servanthood with. And you began to watch them, if you will, migrate their thoughts, and they began to go, wait a minute, what she's saying is making sense. And you begin to see that glow in their eyes as they're being guided out of darkness 
And as you see them beginning to awake, that joy that comes on their face, that smile, sometimes some of them cry, sometimes some of them weep painfully, deep mourning that is so deep, but you're there to be a witness to the transformation. Talk to us as to what took place, one example, and what it did to you as well as that person. Well, I'll give you a, a background story as to how I got into the recovery world. Um, and I think you're going to appreciate this based on what, what uh, you've shared with me about yourself is mm -hmm. so uh, fast forward my life. I'm, I'm knee deep in my recovery. I'm evolving into this really exciting person to past life with <laughs> inside this body. Life is feeling better. I'm doing better. And uh, my husband looked at me one day and he said, what are you going to do with all this knowledge about recovery? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did the cushion on the couch, painted, <laughs> whatever it took, I had to change my life and it cost me a lot of money. And uh, I, I said to him um, before I had the knowledge that no, the universe isn't meeting up on me. And this is why I had this experience. I signed up for this experience. I didn't have that knowledge mm -hmm. then. And yeah. he says to me, what are you going to do with all this knowledge that you have about recovery? And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to move into my future. I'm going to forget this ever existed. I am mm -hmm. going to, you know, go to a place and just put this behind me. And he looked at me and he said, shame on you. And I was wow. like, what? you know, and, and <laughs> I had to heal from. So he, that, that didn't go yeah. over well. And I, uh, he wow. said, what are you going to do if in three, five, ten years, you're walking down the street and you see the young version of you knee deep in pain and paralyzed because you didn't share what happened to you? Wow. And I was really convicted by that. And in my prayer and meditation time, a few days later, all of a sudden, um, um, I got the word win and I said, win, what, win what? And then after that, yeah. it came women in need. And I'm like, what is this? To make a long story short, it was a download about my nonprofit that I run. Um, it's, mm -hmm. it's called the Win Foundation and we specialize in, in specifically narcissist, one of our programs, narcissistic abuse, trauma recovery. And I'll tell a very quick story. That's funny is, um, when I said, okay, I, I will do my part. What I'm going to do is I'm going to raise money and I'm going to call in professionals. And I didn't have my PhD. I went back to, for my education later. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to call in individuals that are professionals in recovery and I'm going to have them lead the workshop. So I did it, got the money, got the place and everything and the workshop. And we had, I had about 20 women come and the professional in the room was at the yeah. front. <laughs> she began saying, um, okay, healing is found in the mountain peaks and in the clouds <laughs> and in the and I remember looking at her saying, are you freaking kidding me? I have women who are holding on to their dear life. They need something a little bit more than the clouds and the trees. 
Oh, so, that's beautiful. <laughs> so the class ended and I went to, you know, I thanked it, it excused the, the professional in the room. And yeah. I said, you know, I would just like to uh, have a word after this session is over. So everyone but two ladies left. And these two mm -hmm. ladies came. I said, I just I have uh, a couple things I want to add to the mountaintops and the clouds. And so yeah. I just shared a couple of things about, mm -hmm. um, you know, trauma and, and whatnot. And I said, okay. Yeah. And I thought when I finished talking, I said, okay, I gave it my best shot. Obviously, you know, I misfired here. I made a mistake here, right? Yeah, yeah. We were talking about earlier. And um, and so I, I shared just a little bit more. And when I was done sharing, they said, oh my gosh, this is really good information. Can we can we come back next week for another class? And I was like, what? Me? <laughs> me? You want a class with me? So I, you know, didn't have my pause button on at that time. And I was like, yeah. yes, sure, come back. And mm -hmm. so I thought, what am I going to do? And so I went and I, luckily I was a journal keeper. I was, you know, yeah. I writing uh, for many, many years, just writing my thoughts, writing my, my journey. Um, I opened up my my old first journal when I started um, getting back in touch with myself and I created, I said, okay, this is where I was at the beginning of my journey. And yeah. I ended up creating what was uh, originally a 20 week class. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And now our program, um, it is, the program is called Reclaiming Me. And mm -hmm. it's about the journey from narcissistic abuse, trauma to self-love. Um, and that one little encounter where two women showed up to my class is now um, an international recovery program for women. It takes place wow. twice a week. Uh, COVID was our friend in that we were able to go all online and expand our outreach um, exponentially. And so it takes place every Wednesday night, um, Pacific time and Every Thursday night, um, our teacher is out of the Caribbean um, for our East Coast class time, and we're getting ready to open up South Africa, which we're really excited about, the Netherlands, parts in Europe. So wow. we have different programs. It's the same program. It's a one-year yeah. recovery program. There are six modules in it, and it goes from the first class, which is what what is this in giving name yeah. to the ghost which is what narctionary my book is all about all the way to life after trauma and learning to dream and and uh, reinvent yourself and make sure that we don't build an altar of pain in honor of the trauma that we have survived amen i don't even know what to say after that um got anyone that has been listening to us what a conversation i have been honored um, and all of you that find yourself within that space dealing with a narcissist, I have someone that knows how to get you out of that. I know someone that has been walking that road for a long time. I know someone that has the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, all the things that you need. I suggest you find yourself in those classes <laughs> and get her book. As I mentioned before, you get all of her books. As you begin to um, just feed on that information, it will change you. And you become what you eat, guys. It truly is. 
and your soul needs to be fed as well. And when you grant your soul the information that it needs to heal, it will thank you, it will reward you by changing your life. And so, Doc, I want to thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment and opening and sharing you and teaching us who we are from this conversation. You're amazing. Thank you for having me. It's been like my soul food for the day, just chatting with you and listening to your wisdom as well. And keep up the good work because your work is needed. Thank you so much.